the perfect combination of versatile athleisure and training apparel has arrived. Thanks to the visionary minds of New Balance, Clutch Athletics, and Rich Paul, the designs reflect the heart of the athlete and the spirit of the community. With rising defensive football stars Will Anderson and Chase Young on the roster, Clutch Athletics brings the best innovative gear to all athletes, giving them style and performance on and off the field. Learn more and purchase Clutch Athletics at NewBalance.com. Robert Half Research indicates 9 out of 10 hiring managers are having difficulty hiring. If you have open roles, chances are you're feeling this too. That's why you need Robert Half. Our specialized recruiting professionals engage with our proprietary AI to connect businesses of all sizes with highly skilled talent in finance and accounting, technology, marketing and creative, legal, and administrative and customer support. At Robert Half, we know talent. Visit roberthalf.com today. Welcome back to the Cover 3 Podcast with your hosts, Chip Patterson, Tom Fernelli, Danny Cannell, and Bud Elliott. It's your call for the best college football coverage from National Signing Day to the National Championship and everything in between. CBS Sports presents the Cover 3 Podcast. Hey, y'all. I'm Bud Elliott, and this is my college football summer school series on Cover 3. I bring on the team experts from the 24-7 sports staff and ask them the questions I care about. No fluff. Which players will be toughest to replace? What position groups are sneakily better or worse than I realize? We get you the scoop on each team in 20 minutes or less. Let's go. Summer school again. We are talking Michigan. You see the logo on the screen. You see that man, Sam Webb, the Michigan insider. I mean, just the absolute best Michigan coverage anywhere. Sam, welcome back to the show, man. Hey, man, I got to tell you, last year's uh, summer school, I heard about it all year. I heard about our people like, hey, did you talk about Mikey St. Risto? People pay attention. People are looking at it like, hey, you guys know what you're talking about. So you do a great job with the whole whole deal. I mean, I tell you what, I don't think there was a more accurate state. And I know Michigan fans will not want to be lumped in uh, with Michigan State. But, you know, but between you and Brooks, I don't think we had two guys give more accurate predictions right now. You didn't catch uh, hell for okay. it like, like he did, but like they, really? they that was, that, that, that was a I really, mean, really good state. Elliot, man. I mean, cause I know you, you talked to the, you know, the whole network. So if you're saying we were the most accurate, man, that, that carries weight with me. As you, 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 you're one of the reasons why, why I actually came over 24 seven. It's like, look, man, we always see each other at recruiting camps before I, you know, back when I was destination, man, they just got studs all over the place. It's, it's a good place to be. Yes, sir. Uh, yes, sir. All right. So Michigan last year, 13 and one, you know, pretty consensus third and all, all the power ratings, extremely good football team. I, I'm a big Tampa Bay Rays fan. I, I got to know, like, maybe you can't say it on the show, but do they have some kind of secret sauce for player development? Because this feels like everybody they take, they're hitting like the 90th percentile outcome of what that prospect could turn into. Like, What, what are they doing behind the scenes yeah. that, that is w- working with this player dev? Yeah, I think they have the best strength coach in all of college football and Ben Herbert. I mean, it's the one contribution uh, that Dan Enos made. So Dan Enos was a Michigan assistant for like two seconds, right, uh, before he uh, before he went to Alabama. Uh, but while he was in town, uh, Michigan was looking for a strength coach, and he was coming from Arkansas. And so he mentioned Ben Herbert's name. And He's been a revelation for Michigan as far as their player development is concerned. I mean, a uh, perfect example is DJ Turner. DJ Turner, who 
blazed the 40 at the combine. It ran like a 426, 427. Well, if you go back and look at his 24-7 profile, one of those under one of those combines, I think he ran like a 4-6-7. And, you know, he had this lingering glute issue that it hampered him all through high, his, the latter stages of his high school career, hampered him early in his, his Michigan career. And Ben Herbert was part of fixing that. And so a guy who ran a 4-6-7, verified time, Winds up running a four two seven. I mean that that doesn't just happen, right? Something got fixed, and uh, this soft tissue issue that he was having, Ben Herbert helped fix it. And that's just a, one of the more vivid examples of the great player development uh, that he's been a part of at Michigan. The offense last year, Bill Conley, my friend, his power ratings had, had him top fifteen. I was actually chatting with Bill uh, right before we, we we press play here, and I was kind of bouncing some stats off him. And I'll I'll, I'll go to you with this one. Like this offense. Elite rushing game, good overall passing. And, like, I don't know how long we need to spend on this show establishing Michigan's going to be very, very good. Like, I think the real question is, like, can they go from, like, elite to, like, super elite? And the one area that I see that they can improve in is drop back passing. So I'll hit you with this stat. Number one in the country in passer rating off play action. 55th in the country passer rating without play action. Like, how can this, which, you know, I think we see when they get behind the chains at times. If Ohio, you know, if they don't manage to pop a guy wide open at times, like that, you know, they, they, they can stall a little bit. How can they get better in the drop back passing game? I know it's not all McCarthy, but I, I really want your take. Like, wh- where do you see them improving in this area? Yeah. So I, I think you have to realize there are, it, I'd be interested to see the splits yeah. between the first half of the season and the second half of the season. So JJ McCarthy was hurt. Last spring, he uh, last spring and summer, he didn't even work out uh, with the team. He was it was rehab the whole time. He really didn't get back into it until fall camp. So no time to work with the receivers, no time to work with his mechanics. Uh, The first half of the season was basically him calibrating. Uh, Definitely. You know, we talked about him being really from in a play action capacity, really dialed in. I think that. It's about two things. I think it's about repetition because what they emphasized earlier in the season, I wasn't enough reps to really uh, improve him at the rate that I think um, that that I think a lot of people wanted to see at the time. By the time he got to the end of the season, he was fine. The other thing, me- mechanics. So I do a breakdown. I do breakdowns every week with Devin Gardner, former Michigan quarterback. Al Borges, offensive coordinator at Michigan, at Auburn, at Oregon. He's offensive coordinator, UCLA, all over the place. And they both would just harp on his mechanics all the time. Like, repeat your mechanics the same way all the time. And they would point out how that wasn't always the case with J.J. I think that's going to be different this year, bud. I think this this new quarterback coach they have, Kurt Campbell, is a revelation for him. I mean, there's a reason – that when it came time to find a new quarterback coach, J.J. McCarthy was standing on the table for this guy. And I think uh, he is a quarterback coach. He's not just a, uh, you know, X's and O's guy. The mechanics of the position, the fundamentals of the position will be drilled, will be emphasized. And I think that's going to be another piece that really helps J.J.'s game become more consistent, whether it's play action or just pure drive back. There's just so few weaknesses with with this team. If they get that cleaned up, I mean, it, it really becomes a, an even scarier you know, operation there. Speaking of Devin Gardner, 
It, is he working out with the strength coach too? Because that, that dude is Jack. I, I saw him third elite 11. Like, oh, oh, man, don't blow that dude's heart. Don't blow his head up, buddy. He already thinks he's the best thing going. <laughs> All right. Do it. That's fair. That's fair. Um, running back, I got a little flack on Twitter for saying that I I, I thought Penn State you know, might be the best in, in the Big Ten of the room. And, I got, and this is your chance for all the Michigan fans out there, assuming you believe it, that tell me why I'm wrong. Tell me why this is the best running back duo in the country. Well, I think Blake Corum was on his way to being the Heisman Trophy winner last year. Um, unfortunate injury versus Illinois. I wonder if that game is as close if if he doesn't get hurt. And then Donovan Edwards. I mean, people don't know. You see the hand injury at the end of the season. He played all year with the patella injury that was debilitating at times. I mean, it, it had him sitting out, you know, minutes, quarters, games. I mean, he it, it just was something he had to have surgical repair. He, he was able to play with it later in the season without it really bothering him as much, obviously, as his hand. My point is, you had him not playing at 100% last year. And look what he did. Tremendous receiver out of the back backfield. You saw his vision, his speed, his burst. Uh, I think the play of the season wasn't even the the two runs he had against Ohio State. You look at the Big Ten Championship game, this guy takes a split zone. And he sees five yards play side. He cuts it back and beats six defenders on his way to the end zone. That's special talent in addition to his ability to be a plus receiver. That's, you know, he, people like Jameer Gibbs. He was number 12 pick, I think, by the Lions. I think that this guy, I think Donovan Edwards has all of that in his game. And I think we're going to see that on display this year. And then with Blake, I mean, look at the at the jump Blake made last year, not just with his ability to run through contact, his ability to run the daylight, but he also showed you his ability to catch the football as well. I thought him, he's, we saw him in the screen game uh, really show up some as well. So really, really versatile, uh, really complimentary. And I think guys that can basically do whatever you need them to do, both of them can run between the tackles, both of them can run outside, both of them can catch the football. I just don't know that you have another tandem that is as as good in all phases of the game as those guys are. And they block too. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Hello everyone, it's Michael Richards here. You might have seen me on CBS working on their Champions League coverage over the last couple of years. I wanted to tell you about an exciting new podcast that I've been working on. It's called The Rest is Football. It's me, alongside Gary Lineker and Alan Shearer, two absolute legends of the game. The show combines topical debate from the world of soccer along with outrageous tales from our careers. And I mean, outrageous. Just search... The rest is football wherever you get your podcasts. All the best from Big Meats. Sam, you know who else really likes Donovan Edwards? Who's that? Me. Check this out. So <laughs> last year, I, and this didn't win, obviously. I actually bet him at 200 to 1 to win the Heisman. I did not think Blake Corum was going to make the jump he did, but I was like, you know what? This kid's got some juice. I had talked to Alan True about him, you know? 
I was like, look, I mean, if he gets to be the starter somehow early enough, like he could win the Heisman. I mean, it, they're know. gonna run. The, they're gonna run the football enough to feed both guys. Uh, you know, one of the real, one of the real measures for Michigan though will be, can they be more balanced? From start to finish, I'm talking about from the start of the season to the finish. I mean, uh, if you look at earlier in the season, I mean, they beat the hell out of that run game. Uh, yeah, they threw it, but where did they throw it? They just didn't push the football down the field a, a whole lot. Then you got to the end of the season, and I think that's the that's the question: Are we going to see the Michigan team that showed you the ability to light it up through the air uh, at the end of the season? I think we will. I think we're going to see more balance this year. If for no other reason than J.J. McCarthy is really, I know we'll probably end up talking about him. I, I think he is really more comfortable in his own skin as the guy now that he has a season of being the guy under his belt. There's a situational thing here, too, if you think about it. Michigan, obviously, I know some people had canceled games against them, so like it's not necessarily all, all their fault. But the non-conference is not crazy challenging. So you're, you're going to get, for the most part, all the non-con teams are going to load up against the run. Most of your of your teams in the conference are going to load up against the run. There's not a lot of opportunities in game where teams are playing pass against the Wolverines. So like that's something they have to keep repping in practice a lot more in case you get down in a game, you know, like two, three scores, and you have to you know mount a comeback where the run game can't be quite as much of a factor, I, I guess, due to the clock. It definitely something to watch there. Uh, so normally, on a, when an offensive line loses a consensus All American plus Ryan Hayes, I'd be like, okay, how big is the drop off here? But am I wrong to assume that they might be just fine? If, if maybe, yeah, you're not. Like Mike could be even a little better potentially. You know, it's hard to say that they'll be better without Oluwatimi. But even when you consider that Trente Jones, uh, you know, was man, he missed half the season at least, and he was the most a- most athletic lineman they had, and he's back, right? And then the uh, you throw in Zach Zinner, who could have easily gone to the NFL, same thing with Trevor Keegan. Uh, you expect for those guys to take their game up a notch. So really, you're talking about replacing just those two guys, replacing your center. And so there are some guys that have done really, really well behind the scenes, both – uh, Raheem Anderson and Greg Crippen, two young guys they recruited as centers. Uh, I thought, and Raheem for sure, I thought had a fantastic spring. And I know that that uh, that Greg, that Crip did well also. But then Michigan goes out and they go to the portal and get Drake Nugent, a multi-year starter from Stanford. And so here now you have unbelievable competition at the position. So you just feel like, I mean, you know, people say. Drake Nugent's going to be the guy, and I wouldn't argue with him being a favorite. I just know whoever wins that spot is a hell of a football player because they will have beaten out some big-time football players. And then when you look outside, I mean, you think about how a couple of years ago Chris Hinton was a dude, was a five-star lineman that a lot of people were saying, yeah, he's a good defensive lineman. We think he'd be be a better offensive lineman. Well, his, his brother Miles it's an offensive lineman from the jump. Yeah. And so you go and get him, another guy who has been a starter at the Power 5 level, a guy who is physical, a guy who has the pedigree. His dad was an all-pro uh, in the NFL. I, you just you have the recipe to go out there and not miss a beat. Again, I can't say that they're necessarily going to be better, 
But if there's if they aren't the same, I can't imagine the fall off being very steep. I, I think I watched about seven Michigan games last year, right? Which is not as many as as y'all, probably not as many as some of the, the folks watching this, which is why I love having everybody on, right? Like br- bring the experts on. And when I looked at the stats at the end of the year, I did not realize that Ronnie Bell had more targets than the next two guys combined. Like, I think Ronnie Bell is a good football player. Right. But, I mean, like 100 targets going to Ronnie Bell. You got to tell me, like, somebody's ready to step up and be a big-time receiver. I mean, he went seventh round, right, which is not bad, but. That's a great point, but it's a it's a terrific point. I think it's in part a byproduct of what we talked. First of all, Ronnie is a really good player. Yeah. Ronnie was an alpha Ronnie was a security blanket. You knew Ronnie was going to get open. You knew if if it was a contested catch, Ronnie was going to most of the time come down with it or break it up. He was just a really, really reliable guy. But you are talking about a situation with a quarterback who didn't have the didn't have the offseason to really establish chemistry across the board with all the guys. So it was always a prog- uh, a work in progress as the season went along. Uh, and so it's not a surprise then that the guy that you had the greatest comfort with uh, already established was the guy that you uh, went to the most. I think this year the ball is going to be spread around uh, around a lot more. Um, You know, Cornelius Johnson busted out at the end of of last season. I think uh, he picked up where he left off in in spring ball. uh, And so they think he's going to be a vertical threat like he was in that Ohio State game. Roman Wilson is the fastest receiver or one of the fastest players on the team. Uh, and I just felt like he was a guy that needed more targets. And I think they feel like he's a guy that needs more targets. I think, and then the tight ends are always going to be able to play Coast and Loveland. I just think that they're. I was going to ask you on Loveland. I mean, uh, some guys I know who are pretty good, like like uh, college fantasy players, they love Loveland. And uh, is is he kind of like, like the next up dude for sure there? There's no question. There's okay. no question. I mean, you watch his, he can get open, he can do. Uh, you know, it's 50-50 balls. He can run by you. He's not a blazer, but he can run by you like he did in the Ohio State game. Uh, you know, the biggest stretch for him has been as blocker. Uh, but the pass-catching piece of it, I mean, he was a receiver that converted to tight end in high school, right? So that never left him being that pure receiver. You see it while he's out there playing. My point in mentioning all these guys is now they have some things on wax. And so one of the things you heard, or I heard Jim Harbaugh say is, Everyone has to eat. We got to feed all these mouths, right? So he knows that it's not enough to target one guy a hundred times. They're going to make it a concerted effort to allow for the ball to be spread around, right? And so a lot of times defense is going to dictate where you go with the football. Uh, but I think there are going to be more opportunities for other guys to be the number one option uh, in, on a pass play. And I think that's going to result in a greater spread as far as uh, as far as the targets go, so looking forward to that. And it's just, just JJ having more comf- comfort with the guys from the standpoint of being able to work with all of them for a full off season. I think you're going to see the dividends of that be reaped during the year. It, he's a guy who, who for JJ. I mean, I, I know like we're going to harp on luck because he's a quarterback. But you, you think about it, like moved high schools due to the the you know the COVID stuff. Um, you know, didn't get to be a full-time starter to start the year because they, they were you know swapping in and out. Like you said, coming off the injury, it, sometimes I think we assume we know what players are, and I think we we can kind of know what his floor is. But his ceiling to me, just you know, listening to you talk, definitely seems you know it seems TBD. But but there's there's some potential for helium there. Uh, yeah. Sure. He, so he his body, he's in the best shape he's ever been. He needed to get 
bigger, stronger, especially if they're going to be running them, right? And I think you're going to see them. They're going to run him. Hmm. He, he's such a threat. I mean, the dude is a legit four or five guy. I don't know if that's well known. J.J. McCarthy can run, can really run, uh, but terrific arm uh, as well. And so it took him a minute, though, to get that back on track after missing a whole offseason with that shoulder. Uh, and so once you get past all of that, though, once you get past the, the shoulder injury and the health factor, now it becomes an issue of or a question of what I talked about before. Mechanics, mechanics, you know, fundamentals, same technique and fundamentals every single time. And I think that's going to be a deal. Look, when they describe it, I talked to people in JJ circle and they said, you know, they got a quarterback coach, right? They got a, they got a quarterback, a quarterback. No, they got a quarterback guy. And, you know, sometimes you got to read between the lines. Mm-hmm. And I think what, what that said to me is you got a guy who is very tuned into, very dialed into that part. Of the, I'll give you a perfect example. Perfect example was in that Fiesta Bowl game. So J.J. Uh, throws an interception that winds up being a pick six. The, now, the, the, the out to the wide side of the field? Yes. Okay, yeah, yeah. He was just late with the throw. Yeah. Why was he late with the throw? Hitch step. You know, he threw up a hitch step instead of a, a plant throw. You know, our guys both right away, Devin Gardner and Al Borges both pointed out. They said, man, that's that's all mechanics. He went the right place with the football. It wasn't a misread. You can't hitch that. Yeah. Can't hitch that. Exactly. You just can't hitch that. That's the kind of thing that I don't think you'll see J.J. do this year. Like, th- those kinds of things will be drilled out of him. And you take those, those mechanic mechanical things out of the equation, Sky's the limit for him, and I think he knows between the work that he puts in on his own because no one works harder than J.J. McCarthy. And now the the tutelage, the coaching that he'll get from Kirk Campbell, I don't think you – I have zero doubt that you're going to see a more mechanically sound quarterback this season. And, and that, that's really something – I mean, the putting a hitch on that throw is not necessarily a, a delivery thing. Like, like it's not like, like something in your motion that, that's that's jacked, right? It, it's – like we have, we have Danny Cannell who you know played for the Giants and you know Broncos and whatnot, and he kind of said the same thing. He's like, I, I kind of doubt Michigan teaches him to, to, to hitch that at the right. bottom of his drop. Right? Like, probably not. Uh, no. Yeah, but so. but but how much of an emphasis is that? Is that how much of an of an issue is made of that? Is the yeah. question. My point is, I think a whole hell of a lot of an issue would be made of that with Kirk Campbell as the quarterback coach. And I think that's why JJ loves him so much. Like the dude hasn't coached the game and JJ is like, Oh, he's like, hallelujah. (laughs) Yeah. I got coach Campbell. Right. So, I mean, you know, you, you can make too much of some hires. Uh, It's, it's easy to do when games aren't being played, but when you have a guy as talented as JJ and now he has experience under his belt, and if he is convinced that this, man, this guy is making me better. Like he was telling recruits, he told Jaden Davis, he said, man, I've worked with the guy for a spring and I'm better. He's made me better in just a spring. That resonates with me. Let's talk defense a little bit. Le- legitimate top 10 defense last year. Just solid everywhere. Stingy as heck. 
good impact players at basically every level. Up front, though, I mean, I, I thought Mozzie Smith was really good. And obviously, the, you know, the NFL, it's not a hot, not like a bold take by me. He went what he went first round or, or early second. Yeah. Um, and they lose Mike Morris, who turned out to be a much better player than I thought he would be. Like that's in my mind, like player dev, he's much quicker at Michigan than he was in high school. You know, in high school, I saw that kid and was like, man, I the way he's growing, the way his body's developing, kind of maybe he turns into like like a no tackle if he keeps yeah. blowing up, right? And like they got him, and I thought he was much quicker for them. But neither of those guys were like elite level pass rushers. I, I'm assuming this front will look different. Is it? Is there a drop off here, or is it just a different style of front? So I think they'll be better. Um, so better, okay. Yes, they'll be they'll be better as as a pass rushing unit. Um, so Mozzie was a force in the middle, uh, an anchor in the middle of the defense. Yeah, pass rush wasn't necessarily his forte. I think uh, that might be something that he adds more to his game in the NFL. But Chris Jenkins, I, you know, I talked to several NFL scouts before last season. And, you know, there's, there's one, one scout that I talk to every year on a yearly basis, and he'll go over all the guys they have on their board, right, and ask me. And so they had Chris Jenkins on the draft board last year. Like, so be, before last season, uh, you know, heading into last year's draft, they, they had Chris Jenkins on the board. And so he comes and he has a really good season. My my point in mentioning him is everyone talks like this dude is ready to explode. Uh, as a pass rusher, he's he's played the run well, despite being a guy who isn't Mozzie Smith, you know, size, uh, just super strong at the point place with great leverage. You know, his dad uh, was Christian, has played with the Jets. Back in the day, right? But his dad oh, yeah. was and, and the Panthers too. Yeah, right? his dad was yeah, yeah, and the Panthers too. His dad was a lot bigger. His dad was like three, four, yeah. a lot bigger than Chris, right? But he took something from that to be a guy who's you know 300 pounds, maybe uh just plays much bigger than that when it comes to his strength at the point, but his quickness off the snap and his ability to get up field, I think is just different than what we saw from Mozzie, and I think that'll show up. And then on the outside, man, a guy who injuries, you know, you it just – and being a little bit behind on the depth chart, you only saw flashes of what he could do. But I, I look at Braden McGregor and look at him in the Ohio State game, rush the pass and drop in the coverage, break up pass plays, uh, get heat in the backfield. Uh, now he's healthy. Uh, that's the big deal. He looks like Aiden Hutchinson in the face. He's same size as Aiden Hutchinson. He was a lacrosse and football player like like Aiden Hutchinson. He's not Aiden. I don't think that he's as twitchy uh, as Aiden. I don't think that he is, uh, you know, as laterally quick as Aiden. But my point in making the comparison is I think his strength off the edge uh, is is similar. And I think his his versatility when it comes to being able to play off the ball. Like we saw with Mike Morris, you said you were a little bit surprised. I actually think this guy is a little more fluid hmm. than Mike Morris, which is why I think they're poised to have better production at that position. And Mike Morris had a good season last year. He, he definitely did. Uh, linebacker, I, I have no questions. They, they looked loaded, and, and they had Ernest Houseman, right? Am I, am I reading this wrong? Like this is one of the better linebacker groups in the country? Oh, it, it is. I think talent-wise, okay. Junior Colson is – you know, he's first round draft pick material. I think that 
Chris, I, I think that Jim Harbaugh saw an opportunity with Chris Partridge out there to to go and maybe take the position to another level. Uh, I think I think that in the Fiesta Bowl, that was that was the position, the the spot on the field that TCU took the greatest advantage of was the linebacking core, uh, whether it was alignment or or uh, you know kind of fooling them at, at times and and getting them out of position. Uh, you just saw them really put the the linebackers in that game, Michigan linebackers in that game. I think it was a learning experience for those guys. Uh, and they were depth challenged as well. I think now you look at them, you add an Ernest Hausman to the fold who was a beast for Nebraska last year, and you put him next to a junior, a more experienced junior Colson uh, who has the uh, Chris Partridge coaching him. Uh, you like the guys they have on the outside, a guy uh, like a Jalen Harrell, uh, for instance, who uh, we saw make some big plays in the Ohio State game. I just think you look around and you see the experience they have at the position along with the athletic talent. Jimmy Rolder uh, showed you some some signs last year. You got Mike Barrett back, who is a really good coverage guy. I just think the the versatility and depth they have at the position is greater. And not, now you throw Chris Partridge in the fold. And I think if you ask Jim Harbaugh, he feels like that position is poised to take a leap up. So in the secondary, I mean, Rod Moore's back. Page is back. Uh, Sandstrill, the, the guy that you told everybody about last year, uh, ended up being extremely correct on, is back. And Will Johnson's back, who I, I'm going to assume is going to take a big step forward. Like, guy, guy played well, very well for, for a freshman. But DJ Turner and Jamon Green are gone, and those guys were, were pretty good football players. What's the level of concern here, if any, about replacing two, you know, two good corners? I, I think, uh, I think they feel good about the competition. Okay, so, so you got options if you're Steve Klinkscale, right? So you you know you got Will at one spot, but at the other spot you're working with with a few different, uh, working through a few different guys. Jay McBurrows, who. Uh, you might remember from uh, St. Thomas Aquinas down there in yep. Florida, right? Last year was his first year back from ACL injury. Uh, I think they like his coverage ability, his ability to hit. Uh, not the biggest guy. The the guy that brings the size, the speed, the athletic athletic freak talent is a Marion Walker. Uh, you know, a guy who Michigan flipped from Notre Dame back during his recruitment as a receiver. But he is, when I say he is freaky, he is freaky, freaky. He is 4-3 in the 40. He is a blazing shuttle. He is a 40-plus inch vertical, and he's 6-3, six, 6-4. Six, so he's 6-3, six, 6-4, six, and can bend, can can change direction I, and fluid, but he is still learning the position. So those two are in competition, right? What do you do if neither of those guys are ready? Michigan went out and got Josh Wallace from, from UMass in the portal. Uh, and you look at all the schools that came after. He's a four-year starter. He's a captain, two-time captain at UMass. Penn State wanted him. Iowa came through. Uh, there were a lot of schools that came through. Uh, Virginia Tech came through as well. Uh, he ultimately, Oklahoma came through with an offer. He landed on Michigan. And I talked to one of the UMass coaches that I know really well. He said, man, he has a lot of David Long in him. He's not as fast as David Long. David Long was a 4-3, 4-4 guy. This is more like a 4-5 guy, but he's 6-1, 6'1", 
basketball player in high school, played with Hunter Dickinson, so he could jump, you know, physical. I think they feel really, really good about that. If in none of that worked, if you didn't feel like Josh Wallace knew the defense well enough and you didn't feel like Jaden McBurrows or Marion Walker were really ready for prime time, got to go back to my guy, bud, the one I told you about last year. I think they feel very comfortable playing Mike St. Ristol at corner. You got a few different options at nickel. Jaden McBurrows can play nickel. Um, you know, you, you go around. They got a few different guys. You could, you with all the safeties you have, you know, Rod Moore can play nickel. Uh, you got a few different options that you can slide in that spot. So I think their ace in the hole, their Swiss Army knife, if you will, is Mikey St. Ristol. I, I just don't think it'll come to that. I think between Josh Wallace, Jay McBurrows, and Amarion Walker, one of those guys will be ready to to really step up and, and take that position. Got to ask you a little bit about, about, about the kicking game. So they lose Jake Moody, who was an absolute stud for them last year. James Turner, as an ACC guy myself, I, I know is, is really, really good. They get him in the portal from Louisville. I thought Moody's kickoffs were even better than his place kicking. And I did I don't think did Turner do kickoffs for Louisville? If so, like is, is he gonna be the kickoff guy? Because like what, guess, what Moody did in kickoffs was really special. I man, I guess you know, how about this? You're a guy uh not covering Michigan on a weekly basis who paid more attention to to the efficacy of kickoffs than I did. I guess I would have I would say his ability as a place kicker was was definitely, I mean, we called the man Money Moody. I mean, <laughs> Sam, 66 percent touchbacks, seventeen percent of his of his kicks inside the twenty five. So even when he missed, hit it, or well, uh, like even when it was returned, I mean, it, it routinely getting tackled inside the twenty five, like and basically didn't hit any. Did they have any that came out long last year? I, I, none on my sheet. No. No, I mean that's no. that's nails. Like that, like that, that that thing adds up, especially when you're you know you're kicking off five, six, seven times a game. I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I guess I didn't pay as much attention to that as well, watching Money Moody. I mean, there's a reason why you spend a high draft pick on that guy. Yeah. Right? Oh, he's he's a stud in both. I mean, like, what was he not? So he was perfect for under forty yards, and I mean, hitting two thirds of his ones that are forty five plus. That's that's pretty good. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah, so no, nah, he he and it's some yeah. weather. And man, I'm sure. look, I mean, this is the one spot where it's hard for me to say they're going to be as good or better. I think there's going to be a drop off there. Uh, I could be wrong. I could be wrong, but I don't think I'm going to be. I, I think I, I think that Jake Moody was was special, man. And you just you just added something to how special he was because I guess I wouldn't have talked about his his. Um, is touchbacks as much as I should have. Uh, but I, the place kicking part of it, we're going to have to wait and, and really see. I mean, you got a freshman uh, coming in and um, um, I was, uh, give me a second. Uh, freshman well, coming in. We, we, we can come back to if you want. I, I, I mean, Turner's a hell of a get in, in, in the transfer. Adam world. Samaha. So I edit that. Okay. Adam Samaha is going to come in and really uh, compete for that. He was a guy, one of the top kickers in the country. So he's going to compete for that job. And I wouldn't rule Adam Samaha out uh, as being the guy. He's just, you, you, you worry about it with him as a freshman. I think that's why Michigan went out and got some, some insurance. But 
uh, if they have their druthers, uh, his his leg. Uh, I mean, this, there's a reason why Alabama was chasing him too. He ultimately landed on on Michigan, stayed home right here from uh, from Ann Arbor Huron. So I think Adam could well. I think he's the the best leg they have, uh, but time will tell. He's a freshman. I mean, will he be ready for prime time? That's the question. Michigan last year, in some ways, treated those opening games as a bit of like an NFL team might, you know, treat the preseason with the, the rotating of quarterbacks and trying different guys in, in different spots. You know, Sam, this year, with respect to pass defense, uh, they might have nine weeks to try out different things. Right. Look, like they're going to face somewhere between uh, very poor to, in the absolute best case, probably average passing game. East Carolina, UNLV, Bowling Green, Rutgers. Nebraska, Minnesota, Indiana, Michigan State, and Michigan State lost you know, a third-rounder to the NFL and a guy that Florida State thinks could be a first-rounder in Keon Coleman and their quarterback to uh, to Auburn and then Purdue. Yeah. And then they got to go, look, at Penn State, at Maryland, Ohio State. Like, the three best passing games by far, I think, on this list mm-hmm. are those final three weeks. Like they, Those first te- like 10 weeks, they need to be figuring out everything they possibly can and, and repping a lot of pass game and practice. Yeah, hey man, listen. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to to work through some inexperience in in one phase of your uh, one phase of your defense, finding that other corner. Uh, this gives the way the schedule lays out. You're really able to to carry that competition well into the season, uh, and you gotta love it. I mean, if you, I, you, you, I don't know if if you knew it was gonna play out this way. Ahead of time, uh, but based on the way that they play, it couldn't be better. Uh, so this will give them an opportunity to find out who that other corner is and really build that depth. Uh, I actually think they'll be ready because we're really only talking about that one corner. Rob Moore, I think, jumps to the NFL uh, after the year. He is that good, right? Makari Page is a breakout season for him. I think there's, if you look at R.J. Shelton, his decision to transfer had a lot to do with uh with Makari Page's emergence, you, you got Quentin Johnson, a, a safety who uh once you got to the postseason, yeah, he was playing over RJ as well. So I think they're feeling that's another dude who could wind up uh factoring in a nickel too, by the way. Uh so my point is you're only looking at one corner spot. And if you got six or seven games to figure out who that is, I mean that's a great opportunity to give every guy real real good good look at if he's ready for the spot uh and hopefully they're all ready for the spot and you just have an iron sharpened iron but uh you know i feel like one of those guys at least is really going to emerge and having an opportunity to to go out there make some mistakes and have it not cost you games i think will be a great part of their development all right we ask this question in every show other than quarterback Where's the spot when you're at practice or when you're talking to your sources, you're like, oh, man, these backups. Not that they suck. Not that they'll never be good. But for this year, they're probably not it. So, like, this this position, this position group has got to stay healthy because these backups just aren't right. ready to be on that level. They're, this is easy. Quarterback, man. No, other than quarterback, we know you can't lose. You can't lose a Heisman candidate. <laughs> Come on, man. Uh, so, other than quarterback. If That's that- why it's tough. Yeah, I, I guess I would go corner. Okay. I guess I would go corner because we're already talking about them trying to find a, a corner opposite Will Johnson. If Will Johnson were to go down, I, I mean, man, uh, you have no proven corner 
on the roster. Uh, I mean, you, I mentioned you have a great patch, a, a great, um, you know, kind of Swiss Army guy in Mikey Samrista, but he hasn't played on an island yet. So, yeah, cornerback, man. I mean, you got other safeties who've played football. You got other linebackers who play football. Same thing on the defensive line. Offensive line is, I think, this. they may not have Olu Olu Atimi, but I think the offensive line could be deeper this year. Uh, I mean, the running back position, Benjamin Hall showed some flashes. C.J. Stokes played last year. I think they'll they'll feel better about the running backs after Blake and Donovan this year. Receivers, I think they have some guys who are ready to step up. Uh, you know, guys like Darius Clemens, uh, for instance. So, hey, man, um, it's corner. It's yeah. corner. If they have and Will Johnson were to go down, and he is back from an injury. Uh, that would be that would be a real problem for them. The other guys will emerge. Like I said, they get Josh Wallace in as a as a transfer. Uh, I think there's a good chance he could he could maybe rise up and be the other guy uh, at least early in the season. Uh, but man, you are you are in a bad way if you're without uh, a guy who is a potential All American. So I, I do the blue chip ratio. Michigan's obviously firmly in the blue chip ratio. The recruiting keeps getting better and better. And I, I'm kind of doing some kind of postscript analysis on, on some of these recent teams. And, and we found that the last four national champions averaged seven first-round picks in their two-deep, right? Now, eventual first-round picks, not necessarily all, in the, but the, within the two-deep. So like guys who were playing, they were averaging seven first-round picks. I think Michigan – probably is going to be close to that. Like, am I off base there to thinking that they have like seven guys in their, in their two deep who are first round types? No, you, I don't think you're okay. off base. I look at, I look at will that way. Um, Chris Jenkins, I think could work his way up in there. JJ, of course, I think fits that bowl, that, that mode. I think Donovan Edwards, who I know you really like uh, is another guy who, who fits that bill. Uh, that's just a, a few of them. And then I look at the guys who we haven't seen a lot, but they just have first round time. I just look at Mark. If if it works out with a Marion Walker, you know who a Marion Walker is like physically? Who? Tariq Woolen. Okay. Tariq Woolen. I mean, spitting image of him physically. 6'4", can run like the wind, can change direction. We know he went to the league last year and, and set it on fire for the Seahawks, right? Out of UTSA. Yeah. And so this guy has those kind that those physical tools that you see with Tariq Woolen, you see in a Marion Walker. Sands, of course, he's not he's not 210 pounds yet. He's more like, you know, 188, 189. So he has to get the weight on. He has to get the experience in the position, just like Tariq Woolen did when he made the transition from wide receiver to corner. But if it works, if it works, but this dude. He is a special physical talent. We just have to wait to see whether that special physical talent turns into uh, being a, a comparable kind of football player. I actually think it will. Just got to get a young man some time. Sam, I, I really appreciate all the time. This has been fantastic. And uh, this is the last summer school we're recording of the year. I don't know if you guys see behind me. We got Penelope Bourbon up there. And uh, <laughs> this one. <laughs> this one is is for Brian. He is an absolute huge fan of Sam Webb in Michigan. And uh, Brian's wife, Brooke, who's also the sister of my buddy Brent, uh, passed away last year of uh, of cancer. And oh, 
and uh, they they made an excellent F cancer bottle, which uh, we were able to sample up there in Nashville, where where he lives. And we, you know, because twenty four seven HQ in Nashville, we are up there quite often. And uh, proud of my man. He, he just just finished the seventy five hard program and lost like fifty pounds, and oh, is, there we go. Is, is is doing great, man. So, buddy, this one's for you. Right. Seventy episodes a lot, Sam. If you have not tried this, this is the uh, this is the barrel strength. So. I don't okay. know if I should be drinking uh, 100, 118 proof at, uh, at 12 on a Tuesday, but hey, you know what? Hey, it's the last one. You might as well, right? We're, we're seven, 70 episodes now. <laughs> there we go.